0: american <laughs>
1: yes
0: <laughs> so african-american go to start rapping back at the edm concert <laughs> um hi everyone it's me nicholas and you're listening to alias anthropology I hope you've been enjoying the season so far. I hope you've been enjoying the summer so far. I'm really, really sad to tell you that this is actually the end of season one. This is going to be our last episode. But it's not so bad because we're finally going to get to talk to um, the woman behind the curtain. Like the the number one uh, assistant producer. uh uh retail lady bag flipper i don't even like just um the the baddest stick in the game i don't even know how to how to say um raylan raylan is on the podcast with us today hi raylan
1: hi
2: nick and everyone (laughs)
0: Raylan and I met um, several years ago when we were both in university we studied at the same school we both went to business school we had one of the same concentrations we both studied sustainability that's why we're so uh, earth-pilled around here no plastic currently on the set actually I just lied there's a Starbucks cup next to me
2: but you reused it
0: I did I did reuse it and
2: made an at-home coffee
0: I've had it for for two days now so you know we live in a society but we do what we can that's kind of what I pulled out from the sustainability program honestly real um, she's into a lot of different stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that is sort of, um, well, I'm a Sagittarius and an only child. So it's, it's as being a Sag, it's hard for me to focus on one thing for too mm-hmm. long. And then growing up just, you know, by myself, I was like, when you're bored, why not teach yourself Yeah, to do a little thing? So like, so for most of my life, I was a professional dancer. I mm-hmm. think like dance mom's, s going to competitions being in the Mm -hmm. studio
1: yeah
2: this then the third and then i sort of shifted to being more business pilled when i went to college i wanted to Mm -hmm. major in in dance but then i realized i was like i'm a little bit too smart to just major in an Mm -hmm. art only yeah at least you know that's what people told me but i was like yeah no i do want something more sturdy to fall back on and then yeah I figured, like, you know, we went to, have we said where we went to school on any of this yet? Yeah, yeah, we
0: went to the Purple School, we Purple went to school. NYU, Purple we, school? We, yeah. were, we were in Stern.
2: I feel like NYU is the perfect place where it's like, okay, I can get a real real degree mm-hmm. and then yeah. still be ingratiated into, like, the arts culture yeah. to, Very to true. an extent. So, yeah, so that doesn't sound like I do a lot of things, but... I'm dan- from dancer to business to focusing in, like, sustainable business to... Yeah. I'm, I have a, I have a weed business, too, so mm-hmm. that's, like, a thing. A weed business that's, like, real woo-woo-pilled.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, since I'm a tarot card reader and a uh-huh. skateboarder and...
0: Yeah, you got a lot of little... Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to hang out with characters. I like people with a lot of different, like, you know, features. You were
2: also that kind of person. Like, we, we keep saying this thing to one another to sort of, like uh talk about how how deep our friendship is that mm-hmm. if one of us was like i want to climb a mountain tomorrow we <laughs> will be running through the REIs rei together <laughs> yes. all supplies necessary and we'll be up kilimanjaro i'll be like
0: let me get my snowsuit my oxygen mask and we're going to make it we're going to make it happen for sure um how are you today how are you feeling
2: you know <laughs> <laughs> If I'm honest, uh-huh. I I feel great because why it, don't you
0: just tell the audience the, the the ride you've been on? Yeah,
2: no, I feel I, I'll start by saying I feel great, and I'm gonna get a little I'm gonna get a little hotep spiritualist about this. See 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 when <laughs> you <laughs> when you accept the place where you're at, even if it's not exactly where you want to be, the mm-hmm. state you want to be in, just mm-hmm. makes it so much more pleasant, and I've mm-hmm. and I've come to appreciate that more these past. 48 hours Mm -hmm. i guess because um me and nick came over out here to la to film the the second half of the season yeah and um you know he he came like a couple days before me and i met him i took a real late night flight from Mm -hmm. new york i had a layover in vegas and i thought i was doing something because i had an eight hour layover in vegas Mm -hmm. landed at midnight so from midnight till yeah 6 a.m showed
0: up at demon time
2: yeah showed up at demon time met up with one of our friends actually someone i met through through nick and yeah, yeah, yeah her shout out to Haley. crashed her girl's trip in vegas for a few hours mm-hmm. Lived, laugh loved with them got back on the plane mm-hmm. in the airport and then you picked me up at 7 a.m yesterday and we were running rampant ever since didn't sleep and then we recorded some episodes of the pod yeah and got some food and then we were yeah. immediately at an edm concert yeah uh redact on off of redacted
0: yeah we like i said we we had some help opening our minds yeah well i would say really we had some help opening our hearts our
2: hearts and our souls and yeah yeah and now i crashed after that uh after the concert, and now we mm-hmm. woke up to record this again, and I'm I'm fighting for my life, but I'm I'm grateful to have this life to fight
0: for. Okay, Joan of Arc. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. no, but I'm exhausted.
2: I, I I feel quite horrible, but yeah, we're here.
0: We're gonna have a sl- we're gonna have a slow day today. You're gonna see the California weekend vibes, just just hanging out. Um, how did you get here today?
2: You drove me.
0: Uh, what was that in, like in
2: a rental? Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was cool, you know. I genuinely get very car sick, even after like ten minutes in the car, and mm-hmm. and I didn't, and like, and you know. That might be a It's because it. I'd be pushing that whip, okay? I'm um, Mario Andretti. Wheel, as we say in do they say that, in this? Mm-hmm. Is that? Is that some lingo you I, are. I
0: think that's some lingo I'm about to pick up. What yeah. can you. Oh, Rayl- like, oh Raylan. Raylan is the lingo god.
2: Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, you know, like in Mean Girls, when Gretchen was trying to make Fetch mm-hmm. happen, Yeah. I'm just like her, but I make the. You
0: would have made Fetch happen. Yeah. There. Regina yeah. would have never said that shit to you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So it's. He has wheel.
2: Yeah, like, like, oh, I got wheel. I'm a good driver. Specifically, mm-hmm. like parallel parking or like swerving around like yeah you know, like I got
0: wheels all new skills I've picked up mm-hmm. this Raylan watched me parallel park for the first time since I took my driving since I took my first driving test because I had to take it multiple times
1: <laughs> <laughs> since,
0: since I took my first driving test that was the uh or I guess I no I guess it was my last one and on the second time I took it um that was the last time I had parallel parked and that was in t- that was eight years ago yeah um,
2: I feel like I'm not really the person to tell you if you're a good driver or not because I have no license mm. and have been behind a wheel maybe three times total in my life
0: but I mean like part of what I mean there's obviously like there's like my okay so like my older brother he's like an amazing driver and he can drive, he could drive anything. Like, a, he could drive a truck, he could drive a coupe, he could drive a semi truck, he used to drive a box truck. Like, he can, he can whip anything. He could drive a bus if he wanted. um And it's like when you're watching a really good driver, you can tell because just the skill and the flow mm-hmm. and the effortlessness. But I feel like even if you don't know how to drive, the best marker is just like, did you feel it's always, you know, you're with a bad driver when you feel like you need to get involved.
2: Yeah, no, I agree because my like seeing a good driver, it does mm-hmm. give you like the cues. Because my dad is like a really good driver, and like later in his life, like now he's like a truck driver and stuff, mm-hmm. so He has like a CDL, so he's very like he got wheel for real. <laughs> like, <laughs> he got wheel for he real. He
0: got real, Mr. Prince. He got wheel. Yeah,
2: yeah. And even though like I've never like really been in a car, he's been preparing me to have to drive in mm-hmm. case of emergency forever. Like even stick. Like I can shift gears in like oh, in really? like a manual because he had like a, a manual car that he would pick me up from school in it had mm-hmm. no seatbelts it had <laughs> like, yeah. that's why you don't be putting to, it on I, <laughs> I would have to crawl over the driver's seat to mm-hmm. get to the passenger seat you know, okay you know, yeah but it was it was a beautiful mazda and i, I appreciate it and the mm-hmm. handle was a little skull a silver skull it's cool Ooh, yeah. okay
0: lots of swag um circling back to last night what did what did you think of, of flim last night
2: it was really great i'm not i'm not like a huge EDM girl but you know what I did discover I I personally will not sit down and put on like an EDM song when I'm like trying to get myself into a groove or mm-hmm. like at a party or like something because you know I am always the person on the aux at the Disconnect party.
0: Disconnect immediately. Yeah, I'm we were at this we were bro the, I'm not even going to tell the whole ghetto backstory but <laughs> we were at a function and somebody was on the ox, and Raylan did not like what was being played, and she, she like, she like, I don't know if you turned it down. It felt like it was as though it was silent. You were like, "Who's on the ox?" This girl is like me, and she just turns around and her looks her dead in the face and is like, "Disconnect immediately." <laughs>
2: like, I don't like, think it was that mean, and I feel like that's what makes it even more funny is because I was just like, "Disconnect immediately," like, <laughs> like just. <laughs> be honest be real no i think we should give a little bit of that backstory just because okay. it's it's how it's how me and nick really became friends because we yeah. were on like a school trip that was based on a class and we were vibing out in yeah in, in, costa, in costa rica, rica. and we he were. was like the only person that i knew there so we would turn up every night and yeah at one point in the night i would just look at him and go nick and he'd be like yeah and i'm like i'm drunk and he'd be <laughs> like, okay and yeah then i would feel safe and it was great
0: yeah, yeah, we were in this, like, random resort in, like, central, central Costa Rica. I want to say that the town was called, like, Samia or, or Siema or something like that. Um, and it was, like, it was, like, a nice resort but then also not like the rooms were nice but then there were just there was just like random shacks like a random i remember there was like this random tin roof shack and one night it was like raining so hard mm-hmm. so we all go under this like the tin roof like somebody's playing this like jersey house music like raylan is like trying to teach us like how to do the little jerk somebody or whatever. was play-
2: playing jersey club music it was me
0: Oh, it was you. Yeah, because I'm it from was, Jersey. And <laughs> so she's like trying to teach us how to dance. Like people are like getting like so so drunk, just like drinking like whiskey like straight out the bottle. And then this one of the girls was leaving and she fell down and like Twisted her ankle or something, and they had to like take her to the hospital the next morning. And then one of the girls that got like super trashed at, at that night, the next day, she was like in my van because our projects were like next to each other. And so we go, we go to like, because we were like supposed to be like working, whatever, working with companies, right? So we go companies, whatever, we're separate. Then we meet back up for lunch as the car comes to get us. And we, I remember we we're just sitting at the table, and I looked at her, I was like, Girl, are you good? And she looked at me down in my face and she was like, absolutely not and then she got up and went and like vomited, vomited in the middle of the of this dirt country road that we were on in central <laughs> oh man that was amazing that was when like i feel like you and i really became friends also uh diana
2: mm-hmm. we
0: met diana also lauren of course
2: yeah
0: Oof. <sighs> just so, a really great yeah. time <laughs>
2: Even though I'm always on AUX and I Mm -hmm. am the DJ, EDM is not something I would purposely turn towards. But then I realized I do kind of have this, this like... You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of music, being a, a professional dancer my whole life, and I danced in, like, all styles, so it's like I've been exposed to, like, all different types of music, and then I mm-hmm. realized, in, like, my jazz classes and stuff, where, like, we'd be doing, like, these crazy jumps and, like, flips and stuff like that, mm-hmm. we would best believe we had this the Skrillex bangerang, mm. going, when the fire starts to burn, right? Oh. Yeah, no, that was my exposure so i feel like now it's like I, I gotta start i gotta bring it back because i don't have it in like the dance classes anymore
1: mm, being, yeah. being
2: served to me on a silver platter yeah yeah so i have to kind of go searching so yeah no i'm gonna be I'm, I'm a lifetime flume fan now
0: yeah me too i feel converted and i feel like as long like i always i really idolize like that kind of archetype of like the kind of like the older, the older man or like the dad or, you know, just kind of that kind of like old, you know, jean jacket wearing kind of guy like Beck. Mm-hmm. He was there last night. um And they're like, oh, I have my favorite band. You know, I love. um What's it called? The Matthew, not the Matthew Perry band. Oh, fuck. Steven no. Oh, like I love like My Morning Jacket or like I love um, I love Weezer. I love Radiohead. And it doesn't like if they're playing within a with the, if they're playing within a 60 mile radius of me, like I'm gonna be there. And like my mom, she's like that with this old funk band uh, called Frankie Beverly and Maze. And she's like, if Frankie is here, like I'm there and they all go. And and now his fan base is like all these like older black people. Like my mom is almost 60. So and she's like the prime demographic. It's like these 60 year old black people that go and they all wear white. It's like an all white party, no matter the venue. And there's no like announcements. It's just the culture everybody knows. And I'm like, I feel like I have been converted into that type of fan for For flume Flume. no i
2: think it's really cool thinking about like how artists evolve like that but then keep like their same fan bases Mm -hmm. like i wonder how like their like the concerts shift like this is like you know like oh like that your mom going to see that band like 20 years ago versus like Mm -hmm. last summer like what was that experience like from the artist's perspective yeah like compared to now especially when it's like like the same people like you know, the same
0: ones showing up over and over it's really it's really crazy and even when i was working on that tour i had my first experience of meeting like real super fans because i feel like for most for most musicians that i like you know i just like i like music so it's easy for me to connect Mm -hmm. with anybody that's a fan of any song anywhere like oh you like this rhythm okay you like these chord progressions but the people that i'm a super fan of I'm not a part of any community like that. I'm not like on the, on a, on a feist Reddit board, or I'm yeah. not like on like a, um, like, even though like, I love Alicia Keys, like I'm not like t- tapped in with like other people who want to mm-hmm. discuss like deep cuts. Mm-hmm. But when I was working on that tour, I met a lot of people who were for that artist that I was working for. And I was like, oh, this is really, this is a really interesting experience. is an interesting vibe. And I feel like from the artist perspective, it feels so amazing because it's like you're, you're like you cult for lack of a better word. It's like mm-hmm. keeps, keeps growing.
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm not like a super fan of anyone in in particular other Mm -hmm. than than Nikki, I guess, because like Mm. I am a Barb, but I feel like that is more of like virtue signaling, Mm. you know, like when I sit here and say I'm a Barb, it's not like because, you know, I'm sitting here like arguing with people on like Stan Twitter for her and stuff like that, but because it's like I am a girl's girl. And mm-hmm. I support black people. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if you're yeah. not a Barb, those two things are up in question for me. <laughs> <laughs> real. real.
0: real. I honestly, I think if, if we went back and, and talked to every person who had been on this podcast, they actually would all be like either if you ask them if i'm a barb they would either say yes or they would say well i'm i wouldn't i'm not going to use that word to describe myself am i a nikki huge nikki minaj fan yeah. yes that's a concert that i would love to that i would love to go to even though like i don't even her and also lana del rey I feel this way like i don't even think that they're great live performers i've never seen a video of a concert of them that i thought like mm-hmm. Ooh, I i gotta be there but still, like, if I had the opportunity, I would go. And I actually, whenever Queen came out, she was selling these, like, she was, she kind of did the, she kind of did the Travis Scott in a way where she was, like, not selling tour tickets. She was selling Queen passes, which was a copy of the album in a pre-sale code to the tour. So you ordered it, you got your Queen pass, and then at, at whatever point the tour was going to be announced, you would get, like, first dibs to buy tickets. But then she never went on the tour.
2: This is a businesswoman. She got me. This is a businesswoman. This is yeah. why I could never not support her. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, even if you're not like super amazing performer, you can still have a very entertaining, like live yeah. performance. Like, you know, like I one of the favorite concerts I've been to was Megan Thee Stallion. And not to say she's not a great performer, but like mm-hmm. this was very early in her career. I paid twenty dollars yeah. for this show at like a mm. tiny venue in Paris and like I was dancing with her on stage at one point. Like, you know, yeah. like it was very like <laughs> low yeah. low key. And like she wasn't doing like too much but like that just being in that space with her has allowed me to like been like now i'm now we're connected that's my sister like i'm a hot girl like (laughs) (laughs) Like, what
0: other music are you are you interested in like what do you like to listen to just regularly
2: just regularly i feel like i go through i definitely go through phases and you know i feel like i'm i'm shedding the um the sort of box that I put myself in, always being on Aux and always being the DJ. Mm. It's like I felt like I had to, like, stay up to date on, like, the newest music all the time and always listen to, like, album releases and, like, mm-hmm. curate these playlists for, like, specific s- scenarios and, and vibes. <laughs> and, like, I haven't mm-hmm. updated my playlists in, like, a good year. And that's just because I keep listening to, like, the same mm. types of vibes over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. old, like, 2010s. Like, I was listening to um, Teenage Dream, by Katy Perry the other day. Don't even
0: get me started. You and know that's I had my to song. listen to
2: it like four times in a row. And it's like, yes. I'm allowing myself to do that mm. now without being like, no, I got to listen to good music. Like, no, I'm just going to listen to, not to be all woo-woo, something mm-hmm. that's going to put me in like the right energy for yeah. whatever it is I'm doing right now. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. That's real. That's real.
2: I think if I were... You you were on, on Ox today, so I didn't wake up and, and play anything today. But yeah. if I were to... Hmm. It would definitely be. Oh my goodness, that like um roots song with Erica Badu on it, like if you are worried about. Oh, work. okay. Uh, yeah. And it has like that, like that, like that, like drum at the end, like. Yeah, that's a, That song goes hard. It's very old school vibe, and I've been in mm-hmm. my I've been in my auntie era lately. Do you have
0: any artists that you feel are really like indicative of your taste?
2: Um, I f- like. I feel like I have. Multiple like types of like taste, mm-hmm. so it's like Nikki Nicki is like you know the bad bitch rap like type type of vibe, mm-hmm. and, and then um
1: mm-hmm.
2: I also really enjoy like R and B like, mm-hmm. but like real real singers real singers
0: I love to listen to is, singers and sweet melodies yes singers <laughs> like
2: um like Ari Lennox, Jasmine Solomon like yeah. these, these people their mics are on, and um. I've been, I, oh, what I've been delving into more is, like, the, as I, you know, get more on, like, my spiritual journey and stuff is, like, yeah. songs that have, like, are using specific frequencies and notes. Like, one artist mm. that does that really well is Green Tea Pang.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: she will, like, put, like, a, a frequency just over, like, the production that, like, is, like, this is going to help this chakra and da 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 And that, yeah. it, it does make it, like. I feel, 10, 10, I feel i feel that and
0: i do that a lot in my actually like in my writing process and i first heard about that from uh f- from uh jenny Iko mm.
1: mm-hmm. uh, yeah no, yeah because she, yeah,
0: she does it with like the singing bowls and i watched a video of her and she was like It's and i was like oh my god i should like i should i should do that like
2: yeah no yeah. It's, it's really cool and then i guess like the last facet is like Oh, I do not know, like, uh, there's, like, classical jazz, I'm ballerina, you know? like Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, like, the punk rock princess, hot topic, mall rap, bubblegum, mm-hmm. shoddy, deep within me, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes, sense. from the ages of, like, 13 to 15, I was full, full emo. Really? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue. I, I, I want to talk about the, the history and the lore for a minute. <laughs> so, you're from New Jersey?
2: Yes, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. You're from Newark?
0: Can you tell me about what Newark is
2: like? What is Newark like? Um, I actually, like, I wrote a, I, I wrote this paper freshman year of college where it was, like, the, the class was... Um, Racial inequality and public policy in the American city, mm-hmm. and it was like basically seeing like how like redlining and shit like that just basically yeah. contributed to, the the, the the and like what I wrote a paper comparing nork to like New York City and mm. like how it like, the the policy and like the way it's been shaped yeah is makes the two cities so similar. So I will I'll, mm. I'll say and the only thing that is different is that New York and it's like tour tourist appeal and like attractions and, yeah. and stuff like that is what elevated it to sort of the status that it is now yeah. and while I think nork is like like new york but like ghetto like mm. but like full like full ghetto like yeah. never got no to tail no upper west side yeah <laughs> okay, no upper, okay. no upper west side like uh-huh. you know and it's like uh because it's a it's a huge city in new jersey new jersey's very mm. fragmented with like all these tiny towns but like yeah you could fit like the the suburb where i went to high school in. you could fit like five of those into nork oh
1: wow
2: yeah and there's so much so that it's broken up into like sections which remind me of like you know the the boroughs and stuff yeah, like yeah. that like i'm from north Nork, and like everybody knows in north Nork, there's like oh there's like roseville there's like there's, yeah there's ironbound there's uh, there's downtown there's mm-hmm. like you know like that's that's the culture there and mm-hmm. it's like all different identities based on where you're from even like you know like the the, eth- the, the ethnic like pockets and stuff yeah. like that um it's a very like uh artistically um empowered city like a mm. lot of like really cool people came out of there mm-hmm. um in terms of like music and stuff like that we also do like a really good job like the school system is shit but we have like arts high which like mm-hmm. produced a lot of really great artists and and, and yeah. stuff like that and then there's always like we're, we're it's it's like was one of the v- historically very dangerous towns to live in with like you know like the riots yeah and, like the 60s like that was like one of the really big ones so mm-hmm. um it's like a impoverished you know in yeah. neighborhood TM so we get a lot of like programs and stuff of like for example mm-hmm. like I danced with Alvin Ailey for a little while because they did like a summer camp there and mm-hmm. then I got like an opportunity off, off of that so it's like a lot of promotion of the arts which is really cool like culturally mm-hmm. rich and 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 stuff and like you know it's like it's I, um, like being black American, I'm, I'm, I'm biracial. My mom's Italian, a Jersey Italian, which is also a very specific culture.
0: Yeah. And, um, we love ethnicities. On yeah. The anthropology.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, be like being black American, it, there's many different like subcultures within mm-hmm. that. And I feel like that's based very much so on like where mm. you're from. And I feel like New yeah. York is its own, especially with like Jersey club music that like started there. It's like yeah. very like influential now. Like you heard that song Sticky by Drake?
0: You know how sticky it gets. That That's was my number one song last year.
2: That is Jersey Club's influence.
0: That is mm, Jersey Club. I see. And did you, did you? I, I mean, obviously, it sounds like you have a lot of, of reverence and respect for your New York. But as you were growing up there, what did you think of it?
2: Um, I like didn't like didn't really know anything else. Like I didn't mm. really like I didn't have a gate like a class gauge for a very mm. long, long time. I feel that I um. So like I was I was like I grew up I went to mi- up until middle school I went to school in Newark I lived there up until college but mm-hmm. then I used my aunt's address that lived in the suburban town over so that I could go to high school mm-hmm. over there because my parents wanted me to like um, because there was um, the way the schools were set up the, the high school that I got like whatever accepted into in York, mm-hmm. i would have had to take public transport to get there and like go through like a rough area my parents were like uh nah, we nah. no like they said you're moving with your auntie and uncle in belleville That's <laughs> literally like yeah mm-hmm.
1: uh
2: so i didn't really become like super class aware until then mm. when i was like dealing with like, going to like a i'm i'm not even gonna say predominantly white school like all white school it was it was me another like another light-skinned girl and like one dark-skinned girl mm-hmm. that i can remember and like maybe like yeah. three black guys on the football team and that was about it oh wow and, like, it was yeah. a
0: private school or it was just a public school it was public separate? school it was wow. public school.
2: that was just the demographics of that specific town like mm-hmm. you know and um but yeah so i like i loved i loved growing up growing up in nork and i feel like that's why i have such a reverence for it because being like pushed out of it at mm. least in like my social circle made me like yeah. long for it in that way and almost like cling to that identity like I'm not like y'all yeah I'm from North. like you know <laughs> like, I'm not like. Yeah. and that just it made me double down even further going to NYU was mm-hmm. like I'm not like none of y'all
0: I think that was a huge through line I mean we've talked about this uh really I I will often talk about how like we feel like we did nyu wrong because we didn't leave with any like super loaded friends like we don't know anybody that has a pj or like a house in the hamptons or or if we i actually i know someone who has a house in the hamptons now but i didn't meet them until after but i was you know you go to nyu you're surrounded by like super wealthy people but all of my friends that i like actually left nyu with were all like common folk basically
2: yeah because it's like that you just you have nothing in common we have nothing to mm-hmm. talk about like
0: <laughs> yeah 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 and. I feel like you feel that like um, I don't know like you feel that comfort. I also was not I wasn't super class aware because I lived in the, I went I lived in like the same suburb growing up and then also even the way that our school system was set up by the because the ele, the element it was only like two elementary schools that fed into the junior high only two junior highs that fed into the high school so by the time you got to high school you kind of knew everyone there was no really new people showing up like college was the first time i felt like i had gone to like a new school um and so it's like not only is everything already class coded to be very plain on the face because you're in the suburbs but then also too you don't even have that confrontation of like entering into a new environment even having to learn the new class codes or the or the new systems Mm -hmm. and then when i got to college and we were going to college in the city it was like such a stark uh difference yeah i feel like
2: i feel like those types of, like, changes and, like, reintroductions has been kind of, mm-hmm. like, you know, how I've, how I've, like, developed as a person, you know, because mm. I, um, so I went to elementary and and middle school in Newark, but mm-hmm. the for elementary school, I just went to a regular public school, and then mm. in middle school, I went to, like, a charter school, like, mm. Hotep run, like, see, 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 see? See, see. yeah, <laughs> no, very, yeah, and uh-huh. it was cool because it was only, like, it was from, like, sixth, supposed to be 12th grade, but it was only like the third year that they were doing it. So it was only like sixth, Mm -hmm. eighth or ninth grade by the time I got there. Mm -hmm. And um, 60 people, all to 60 students all together. Oh, wow. Yeah, like very small. And it Mm -hmm. was like making that transition from like the public schools that I grew up in to there. It was like, now it's time to reinvent my identity. Mm. And then it was like uh, going there to like the school in the suburbs. It was like, now it's really time to reinvent my identity. I see. And then going to college, it was like new me, post-college even more different like
0: mm, yeah <laughs> but, uh, that's that's a that's an awesome segue so now you live in bushwick mm-hmm. bushwick is a really interesting place it's very um culture it's very influential in the culture you've lived there for two years now three
1: two
2: two, yeah.
0: two? what's what's that been like
2: um i really like outer boroughs in general for, mm-hmm. for living as long as it's like central to like you know, some type of train that can get me mm-hmm. places. And, you know, I, I enjoyed that more than the time I spent living in Manhattan. Cause I lived on campus for like the first two years of school. And then I yeah. um, moved to Chinatown for like a year, two mm-hmm. years, kind of. And now I feel like I, I enjoyed moving off campus and living in Chinatown because it took me away. Like I had like the home, like school, like separation. Yeah. And I did really enjoy, like, being in Chinatown, like, culturally li- cu- culturally rich. I learned how to cook, like, a lot of different, like, Asian foods and stuff, yeah. which was a good vibe. But it's, like, I lived, like, on the block that was Little Italy. So it's, like, you come out of your house on a Sunday morning and just want to go get a bagel. But then there's, like, families having brunch in front mm-hmm. of your face. And it's it, that can be overwhelming and, like, for your nervous system. So it's, like, yeah, no, I had to get up out of there and then mm-hmm. ended up in Brooklyn paying, like, way less in rent for and having doubled the space and quadruple the peace of mind yeah um which is which is saying something because people seem to think that like it's it's much more dangerous to live to live in, in, yeah. in like outer boroughs and stuff and it can be but like you know
0: yeah i think it, it's more like neighborhood by neighborhood than it is yeah. borough by borough
2: yeah no it's it's like as a woman like i honestly i feel safer when i walk around at night in like my neighborhood in brooklyn because it's mm-hmm. like you know like the, the homeless people that i see and i walk up down the street and they say hey sis, so when like they see me walk by. <laughs> like, like you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. i i feel safer knowing that mm. they're on the street than just like on like 17th street and second yeah. ave walking and like i the feel black.
0: living in brooklyn you have such a greater sense i feel in manhattan i was and maybe and, and maybe it's just the part that we were living in like downtown I felt as though I was always anonymous. Mm -hmm. And when you're anonymous, like that can create its own feeling of safety. Like, you know, like you're probably not going to be like targeted, like, you don't have ops, Mm -hmm. but it also. It creates a different feeling of danger because it's like you know nobody here gives a fuck about me knows who I am like yeah. if it goes up like nobody's gonna help me like yeah. it's a it's a way different feeling and and in Brooklyn you get way more of that feeling of like you know the people that live on your block you know the people that own the stores around the thing
2: yeah that's like um do you remember that 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 video that went viral some like representative was like was like oh mm-hmm. you hate cops well next time you're you're <laughs> getting robbed call oh, a okay. crackhead <laughs> and, and I like, was like you know what honestly.
0: Because the the guys that hang out on my blog, if I was like, yo, it's up, they would be like, it's up.
2: Yeah, like if I was like, if like, if somebody snatched my purse and then I turned to my left and there was a crackhead right there, I would be like, if I give you these $2, will you run and go get that man? Mm-hmm. I will give you these $2 if you come back with my purse. And mm-hmm. he would. Yeah. Would. And mm-hmm. you know what? And I feel like i would appreciate that more than yeah. you know my tax dollars contributing to someone who is not gonna show i was up.
0: just i was just talking to my mom about that and i was like first i'll say that like i've never the only i've only all the years i've lived in new york which like i'm not to brag but like i'm like a big strong man uh so the only <laughs> experiences i've had of like feeling like oh like i'm in danger like oh this something is sus and, and wrong it's only been twice both times have been um in like downtown manhattan never in brooklyn or in any of the other boroughs um but what i noticed is that like you know obviously in, in the time that we've been in new york the police presence inside of the subway has grown yes massively than what it was right but you wonder like okay well th- we know the police presence is growing we know that they're spending more and more money every year but like why does crazy stuff keeps happening and it's because they don't get on the train they stand on the platform, all of them stand together on the platform or by the gate. So it's like they're there to stop fair evasion, yeah. but they're not there to stop. Nope violent like you know, sexual assault and violence and battery that's happening on the train.
2: Yeah, no. They're never in like the right stations either. Where like where I would like, you know, like I would never want a cop to be around, period. Because that does not (laughs) does not make me feel safer
1: in general. But
2: if I was the kind of person that like that would make me feel safer, they're in Mm -hmm. like train stations where it's like they know that they're hubs where people are going to work and stuff like that. And it's like Yeah,
0: it's like you low key like you look this is why I personally I always respect a fireman more than a police officer because firemen they like every situation is dangerous they're gonna run into a fire Mm
1: -hmm.
0: period whereas like police officers will frequently be like oh i was scared (laughs) like that's like a a thing they say all the time i'm scared and it's like why are you at hoyt Skirmerhorn stop Mm -hmm. yeah the ga hoyt Skirmerhorn stop where it's bright as daylight downtown Brooklyn. The only the only people that are, are here are rich people, gym goers, and movie watchers. Nothing's going up here. You have a whole precinct, but you're not at Chamber Street. Chamber Street. You're not at what's that? You know,
2: I've never seen a police officer at Chamber Street. I think they are scared of it there. It's
0: it's because it's it's scary. Or yeah. What's that? What is Chamber Street? What's the one that's like the Jay Z?
2: That's that's chambers. That's, chamber shoot. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. chambers. Yeah, yeah. Or even like, what did Bowery we giving me bad sus, vibes
0: sometimes? Sus, sus, sus vibes. And I'm not
2: a person that's easily like shook up. Yeah. By like you know like a like like a little ghettoness, but it's like not nah, like this is mm-hmm. like it's almost like dystopian.
0: Yeah. Where were y'all? Where were y'all at? Whenever that man that just got killed, where were y'all? Yeah. Whenever that shooting that happened, like right before we graduated in um in South Brooklyn on the on it was like on the R of the Q. Where were y'all at? Mm -hmm. Of course, you weren't there because the shooter started shooting from inside the train, and then like
2: (sighs) that—that is—that just happened when that guy got killed. Hurt my heart so bad. It's so sad, so bad because I'm like, you you did that because he was annoying. Like, like like, let's be real. Like, you were doing that because he was annoying, and you were racist. Like, that's that's insane. Like, yeah,
0: no, it's it's vicious, and it's like it's not like I spent last year, so I've. I've always, I've always ridden the train. I've never felt any type of complex about it. I never think, tw- I never think twice about it. I think that is kind of the benefit of like um, being a big strong man, as I said, but also not being from New York, and not having any preconceived notions of this area or that area. Like when I moved here, the only thing people told me was like, I think the Bronx is dangerous, but yeah. I we I lived so far from there. I was never going to go there. But like to get on the train late at night, never never thought anything never thought anything of it and it wasn't until i um injured my knee last year and there was a point where like there was a point where like i just couldn't ride the train at all i had to take the car everywhere but there was a point where it was like i could like walk i could stand i could sit like in theory like i could have gotten on the train but i wasn't at 100 and i was like i don't even want to be like down there because if
2: something goes up i'm gonna be stuck i'm gonna be <laughs> dust
0: because what I'm a, i mean, like the elevators don't be working like yeah. everything's slow broken it's dark 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 on those yeah. platforms and i feel like you especially see it like when you go to when you go to like paris or like you go to some other city that has a um uh substantial train system and you see like you walk to the station you're like oh my god all the lights are on <laughs> yeah. uh I love it the, makes a I like, huge I love difference. the difference in paris yeah me Unpopular too popular
2: opinion
1: but
0: i i really feel that i mean they they schedule be on one they people be protesting all right but like just the experience of writing it is like pleasant
1: mm-hmm. Complete seats you
0: know? yeah so let's talk about work a little bit
2: true well what kind of work because you know i'm a i'm a yeah well
0: you and i both you and i both studied sustainability okay in school maybe we should start there i think that's a that's like a very new field mm-hmm. um it's it's like emerging. Mm-hmm. What did you think of uh, sustainability business education?
2: Um, the education. Um, I feel like the main focus of us as like business students in mm-hmm. like sustainability is sort of like making the case to people who are a hundred percent business pilled that this will be worthwhile, making this investment now like yeah. it will be worthwhile, mm-hmm. and. I feel like Stern did a really good job of, like, showing us that. Like, listen, like, these people are not going to care that we're yeah. saving. You mm-hmm. know, the, wa- the, the fish is in the water. And the turtles. And the turtles. And the They're not and... going to care. But if you tell them, hey, if you don't do this right now, in five years your bottom line is going to be slashed. Yeah. Then, then that might Risk wake it up Risk materiality matrix. Little. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that might wake it up a little. But, um... Yeah, so I feel like that was that was really cool. And I also think like and the Purple School, I got to give it to them for that in general, mm-hmm. the opportunities to like do cool stuff. Like yeah. the like the the class where me and Nick traveled together was a sustainability focused class. Like we all just got like paired up with businesses in Costa Rica and we're do we're like do sustainability projects for them, like help yeah. them be better to their workers or like better to the mm-hmm. the land around them and then we just caught a vibe in Costa Rica also. So, yeah. Yeah, it was um it's almost like I don't know. Sustainable business is a sick and twisted uh, oxymoron. Like <laughs> it is because, like, as yeah. I've been like doing that work to like I I, I interned for a bit at the the re- the sustainable business research center at our school, and a big project that they worked on was like the Rosie methodology, which is like ROI but like sustainability, like return yeah. you on your sustainable investment, and it's like. Most of the time, it's not going to be, like, financially worthwhile until, like, mm-hmm. the long, 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 long term. Yeah, And, like, you know, so it's, like, sustainable business is an oxymoron because the the aim of a business is always going to be to, like...
0: To my, grow. My yeah. grow and that was my and, thing, like, once I kind of got, like, like towards the... Maybe towards the middle or, like, towards the end of, of the coursework, I just thought, like, you know, this is all... We keep asking the question, how can we more sustainably do actions that are ultimately degenerative? Yeah. Like you can't, not. We you, there's just, how can you ride a horse and fly a plane? You can't, you got to do one or the other. And that was, was like the sort of like, um maybe like disenchanting, mm-hmm. I think part of it.
2: Yeah, no, the focus, I feel like now, like, well now in my work, because I work at a, just started working like a month ago at a, consultancy that's focused in like environmentalism mm. and sustainability a lot of the 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 projects we do with like uh with like public sector clients is like, yeah. is about like how can we communicate to um like stakeholders like the 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 companies and like consumers in general mm. that like your mind frame and how like your paradigm needs to have a shift in, in, yeah. in, in how like businesses operate mm-hmm. if you know like the earth is not going to implode on itself in in the next five minutes. Like, you know, and yeah. that, I, I feel like that is the only thing that would really, that would really make a difference is, is if we invested like real dollar amounts into mm-hmm. like helping people, like ed- educating them on the reality of what it is and being like, okay, mm-hmm. like we can still do everything that we're doing, but differently. Yeah. But differently. And, and that's going to an uncomfortable change that doesn't really, serve the people that would be the change makers yeah to get that to get it going do you
0: feel like i know i know you've just recently started but working um professionally in the sustainability space Mm -hmm. has it started to shift the way that you that you were perceiving that work or 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 how it can be done
2: um well i to to get a little woo-woo about it like Mm -hmm. i um i was very into like all kinds of activism like black lives Matter um protect the turtles save the bees whatever it is it's like i do the right thing i'm a libra mars and a libra moon so fairness and justice is is, yeah is legit for me and um around like 2020 you know there was crazy times i got really burnt out and like in order to like i went into like that pessimistic standpoint of like these things are just not gonna get better like we've been we've been marching for years (laughs) we've been marching for years and, and like here we are um but now I've I've sort of shifted my focus to, like, these systems are inevitably, like, going to crumble in on themselves. So mm-hmm. what we need to do is, like, give it nothing of our energy and then, like, build up our own stuff so that when it doesn't inevitably crumble, like, we aren't left with nothing. But then mm-hmm. from, like, an environmental standpoint, that works from, like, a, you know, like racial injustice like standpoint but like from an environmental standpoint it's like we're in this together like the system is the planet yeah (laughs) the system is the planet like we're in this together so it's like yeah it's i don't know if it's if it's changed how i felt but more just like cemented the strong feelings of Mm -hmm. oh we're not we're not doing much um yeah yeah, a a little bit deeper in me but like hey at the very least like i'm educating myself enough and will yeah. do the work to you know help my at least my friends be like you know let's reuse the plastic <laughs> 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 no match against the u.s military and their emissions but hey
0: do you have any um do you have any sustainability takes
2: um yeah okay so the the uh, take is that like mm-hmm. no amount of individual behavioral change even though even though i'm saying like oh yeah like it'll take like a big paradigm shift like th- yeah but no amount of individual change uh-huh. like per- in like your personal like practices like throughout the day like mm-hmm. not using plastic straws and blah, blah 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 and is going to make any like tangible difference yeah but um not but and what so before like when I say like paradigm shift, it's more of like w- we the people need to get on that vibe uh-huh. so that we can force
1: the uh, force, force the, 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 like the, the higher systematic change, the systematic yeah. change yeah yeah yeah
2: but yeah no no amount of of feel good eco sustainable body yeah. scrubbers is, is gonna get you there it's just it's no, just I'm virtue dry brushing. It's, just, it's just virtue signaling and like i mean i also studied marketing so that was a really mm-hmm. interesting intersection that can i
0: just say i think that was like the the worst one of the worst outcomes of going to business school was that i realized how many things in culture are just marketing campaigns yep. like that's like that's yep. it nothing more and even like did you see that video of um like the girl at the baseball game and like the girls being mean to her behind Mm -hmm. so i i initially blocked the person you know how i do i blocked the person that posted that video on twitter and like muted the words so i didn't have to see it anymore but then a few days later i saw like their response and they were like we didn't know that the girl was the marketing coordinator at our school and i was like of course like that's why the clip is like that like she's not a victim she's a mastermind but like you see you like after business school like you start to see that like everything even things that you think are benign are you know totally totally random like no it's some it's some very honestly it's some very bossed up ladies in a conference room like nah this is how we're gonna make it hit
2: Yeah, no, it's, like, uh, it's made me much more of a manipulative person. Mm-hmm. And I have to be mindful of it because great power comes great responsibility because mm-hmm. I've always been the type of person that's good at debating, good at convincing people of stuff, good mm-hmm. at getting being being a dancer. Like, I'm good at, like, conveying, making people feel a very real emotion yeah. b- based on, like, my body language and, like, how I present myself and yeah. stuff like that. And marketing is just, like, taking that even further. It's, like, how do we create a vibe? <laughs> how do we yeah, create a vibe? Yeah. But, yeah, like, even in, like, I think about that in... In, in terms of my business and, like, um, when I uh, graduated uh, last year, I wanted to do my business full-time. I have, like, a cannabis business. The original idea was we were going to open a dispensary but then make mm-hmm. it, like, a like a spiritual shop. Like, a, like yeah. I call it, like, a dispotanica. Like, yeah. Um, and I've, I've, I worked on it for a year and, like, we were making, like, really great headway and then I was like, no, like, I want to get a real job because I don't want my... Mm-hmm supporting myself financially to be put on this because that's gonna
1: taint the mm. whole
2: thing. Like I'm gonna be doing like yeah. these little ploys and stuff to get people to buy my my spiritual products. It's like no, yeah. I wanna make you this manifesting candle to actually help you. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, like
0: I love you. You're my friend. I wanna Yeah. No, can I just say that was one of those moments like we were talking about the mountain. That was one of those moments where I was like, I wanna start a dispensary. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do the model. Here I go. <laughs> yeah. I got my laptop ready. What's up?
2: Yeah, no, that was real. Nick was the uh the 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 cfo for real Mm -hmm. like
0: (laughs) yeah um but so you like that's why you wanted to to work yeah that's that's why i
2: wanted to like this this job is 100 percent to pay my bills and Mm -hmm. fund my silly little trips and things Mm -hmm. and and you know maybe give me a a down payment on uh on on some some a space that like i can actually like build Mm -hmm. out my business but it's like no like Mm -hmm. i never want the things that I'm actually passionate about anymore to be, like, the central way that I'm making my money. I actually, yeah. No, I think that's something that I realized uh, Mm. about myself, which is quite interesting because I always was like, I need to have a career that's, like, that means something. But, Mm. yeah, I guess, like, working in sustainability has made me realize this is the best I could possibly have done in terms of, like, meaning something. Yeah. And it still means nothing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> still yes a, a job is a job is a job yeah. is a job when it comes when it comes down to it i really feel that way i think that's that's part of the reason why i don't work in sustainability that's part of the reason why i don't work in music that's part of the reason why i didn't study music in school because i was like i want to i, I want to have that freedom to do what i want to do and i also want to have the freedom to like if i need to not that like you know I also I I believe in if you go to work you should do a job you know I love having a job when Kim said get your ass up and work I I was never I was never against her I was confused why everyone was confused mm-hmm. I think and maybe this is just the capitalism pill where I fit in so well business school and I'm always like I like it. I meet other people that want just turn they like I hated it was terrible i be like what like how no, you're <laughs> living I think that work just as a concept getting up going to work having responsibility having people that depend on you that's those are good experiences that like make you a better person and i find that i'm always way more connected and and tapped in with people that like yeah i get up and i get up and go to work like i i I do this and and i do that and it's not even about the type of job that it is i don't really have a lot of um reverence for individual people's career but it's like even i told you like i used to work at like a gelato shop like yeah even though working at the gelato shop, making ice cream, a kindergarten teacher, like, teaching kids, like, just having that thing that you get up and do, I think, is so
2: yeah. important. And that it, even if it – it doesn't necessarily need to be, like, tied to capitalism, but, like, the thing mm-hmm. about Kim Kardashian and the way that I agreed with her there was, like, people were cooking her because it was like, get up and work if you want to be like me. Like, no, that's yeah. not – what got you. There, baby. <laughs> but, um, but – what it what does ring true about that mm-hmm. is like no you don't have to like get up and then like llc twitter exactly <laughs> like it doesn't need to be like uh-uh, that i know but you can you can get up do a little yoga or even yeah l- make yourself a nice breakfast or like l- like lay down and and and, and meditate and, and get to know yourself because yeah. those are the things that are like inevitably gonna make your life yeah worth living is my like,
0: great grandmother, she had a, a saying and she was like, you know, you gotta have some get up and go about you. Yeah. yeah and people that people that go to work, they have that. But I also I also like to kind of why I got on the tangent is that like I like having a job that I feel responsible to and I feel dedicated to, but I don't feel in love with and obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So that when those things happen in life where you know your job just can't be your number one priority because you're going through health stuff, you're going through family stuff, you're going through love, whatever, you can emotionally disengage without that becoming another source of guilt of like you know if you were doing your art full-time you'd be like damn like i'm not i'm not living my truth i'm not living my passion or whatever i'm I'm phoning it in it's like no when you work at a big you know big company corporate job whatever Mm -hmm. like sometimes you can't phone it in and like that's okay
2: yeah and i feel like that's what keeps it from becoming toxic i have this one one phrase that i always say like when i'm doing like readings and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is like you have to pour into yourself first and then let the overflow be enough for for everything else Mm -hmm. so it's like that's like okay like take care of yourself ah, ah, Mm self-love but like but really think about like that visual is like if you are a cup this is you your own personal cup and then there's the work cup there's the friends cup there's the love cup yeah you yours need to be needs to be filled to the top in order Mm -hmm. for it to overflow into everything into these other things or else like unless you're if you're going to be left feeling like not empty and then like that like I think about like back in college when it's like you have like five papers to write by like midnight and then you haven't eaten anything all day and you're like I don't even have time to do that Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna just you know get these papers done to make sure it's like you're you're limiting yourself in Mm -hmm. that way like trust that like no I have the time to fill my cup and then fill up all these other ones Mm -hmm. and not feel horrible after because you're because the you yourself your inner self is gonna get its lick back eventually yeah because if you don't eat and then didn't take that time for yourself you're gonna have to take it out for yourself on the back end
0: one uh one Nicki Minaj bar that's really been resonating with me lately is in her song do we have a problem she says I don't care how long it takes to get my aunt back and I feel like your your body like your body is that way like yeah. you get sleep deprived you get whatever whatever mm-hmm. no nah, it's it's coming back for sure.
2: Yeah, like I was live, laugh, loving at Flume last night, but <laughs> now she's like, oh, you want to be a podcast girl? <laughs> You're going to sound exhausted. Uh-huh.
0: Like, <laughs> but I, I like this. I feel like we're both very, um, we're both very high energy. Mm-hmm. And this is forcing us to be low-key. <laughs> As low-key, uh, there are people listening, so they're going to be like, low-key, they sound like Nuts. maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> you guys, it could be so It could be, be so wild. Words. Um some of my sustainability hot takes lawns should be banned hmm. i think lawns gotta go you have a house you got all this grass in front of it for what for who
2: hey get the dog the kids to play like
0: take your kids to the park
2: okay public public okay public goods
0: public public spaces fine you don't need your own little park in your front yard and then everybody gets one no what
2: about barbecue where the barbecue gonna be at
0: at the park okay this is crazy we're wasting all this water watering these lawns and it can't even it's not like the lawns can grow high to where they could like facilitate some wildlife and some oxygen you know cleaning and everything like that you have to keep it short because if you have a lawn you probably have a hoa and your hoa is not going for that Mm -hmm. they're gonna be like no you need to cut this grass are we giving you a ticket are we calling whoever doing whatever
2: that's a thing that like my my class um consciousness like kept out of my blinders. Like those mm. like those boards and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like even like the suburb that my aunt lived in was not like super rich in that way. It's yeah. like my uncle kept his loan together because he was like, I like
1: this and it's fun. No, like,
0: we kept ours together because the HOA was on our ass. That's and I think it's dystopian it, to me. It's a scary. it's a little I th- I think it was in in hindsight now I feel as though it was racist. Even yes. though even though like our neighborhood was very diverse, the president of the HOA was always white yeah and I don't I mean maybe that's like just like happenstance it was just self-selection because it, it wasn't even a majority white like neighborhood and mm-hmm. it's not like there was to my knowledge like any sort of like you know uh, cabal or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but still it was like it was just weird and we always they always had a problem like either our grass was too short or the grass was too high or the grass wasn't the right color and it's just like you know what None of nobody needs to be doing anything of this because it's crazy that we, as we not me but families, are spending you know, finance, finances, and time and stress and whatever energy that they could put into, I don't know, loving each other, being yeah. better people, into managing a lawn. And also or even like
2: having a personality, if you <laughs> exactly. you got the family with the overgrown lawn and stuff like that, they're probably exactly living let me it be, be quirked up.
0: And no, one time the HOA, they were so host for this. This wasn't even me. It was like a different house in my neighborhood. The people they they had. I think they weren't from America. I'm not sure where in Central or South America that they were from, but it was clear that they were from a very rural area. So they had bought their house. It was it was like their first house in a subdivision. But they were like, well, we gonna have a house with no shed we need a shed for our tools and for our farming and stuff. And like the grandma used to be out there planting corn and like, they were, they were real. So they build this like huge shed in the, in their backyard. It was almost as big as their house. And I remember I would see it as on the bus, like as it was slowly getting developed. And I was like, I remember looking at it. was like, this is beautiful. Like they're really hitting this whole, like the craftsmanship. This is amazing. When they finished it, the HOA came and said, you are not allowed to have, like multiple properties on this on this lot and you can't have like you could have a, they were like you could have a normal shed like those plastic ones that you can buy from fucking Home Depot but you want to have your own swag artisan and, and do your own custom thing and have this beautiful renovated barn
2: haters. do they Get regulate like the Christmas decorations too? Mm-hmm. don't piss me off because that's one thing that me and my family are super gaudy about we have like <laughs> like five dozen nutcrackers in all different styles Mm
0: -hmm. you better my neighborhood this you better keep it classy (laughs) keep it keep it classy and it's not even and what's what mm -hmm. always made me so mad about it is that like our neighborhood is not even there's no it's just a normal normal subdivision in a regular like even within dallas arlington is like in the middle as far Mm -hmm. as like the income scale like with dallas it's like north dallas is the wealthier part er, er, in the suburbs right so you have dallas proper that's its own thing but i'm talking about like the dfw North Dallas is like the wealthier part. That's like Keller, Frisco, Plano, whatever. Plano now is like the hotspot for all these companies building huge offices mm-hmm. in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. Then the southern part is like the. the Poor, the poorer parts like the not wealthier parts so this is like arlington grand prairie duncanville DeSoto. but it's not that they're they're not poor areas but they're just like not wealthy they're not super rich then you kind of go through that gradient and get back to fort worth and then fort worth is like old money kind of thing mm-hmm. and then they have their own sort of like satellites of of whatever but i say all that to say like we were just in a regular regular neighborhood you could turn into it off the street and they're running it like the marines
2: Nuts to me. To me, that's like it, things that happen in like gated communities and like,
0: mm-hmm. th-
1: yeah, that, no, yeah, dystopian,
0: no, terrible, terrible. So, get rid of lawns. Also, I think if a flight is less than an hour, it shouldn't be allowed to get off the ground.
1: Oh,
2: well, I mean, yeah, like you know, easy.
0: I took a flight from DC to New York, like, it, I just had a connection, and I was like, this, this, sh- they don't need to be starting up a plane for this. This was 45 minutes, like, they, we could just get a bus, it would be fine,
2: yeah, or even like, uh. Like, with, like, only let it be a connection. Like, nobody can catch Mm -hmm. that, like... Yeah, nobody can, like, wake
0: up in the morning and be like, I want to go to New York and go get on a plane for 45 minutes. I think that's... I think that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, because I'm only thinking, like, for example, that might be more problematic for the environment. If it's, like, Mm -hmm. for example, I had my layover in Vegas and then, like, an hour and a half flight to LA but mm-hmm. okay now we would have to add like more oh, okay I was coming from New York but if I was coming from freaking like Vermont or something like oh now we need to add a direct more direct, direct flights. flights yeah
0: no no you just you live in it's America's a huge country you live in a two fair zone you are gonna have to take a plane and a bus <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry start humbling people a shuttle what's wrong with a flix bus personally I'll get on a flix bus I have no qualms about it Yeah. <sighs> anyway one thing that i think is so so fascinating about you is that you love to read mm-hmm. and i love to read too you know i'm, I'm totally uh what what's a reader called a literal a literal file oh
2: no uh, oh dang
0: whatever logophile that's how that feels mm-hmm. i didn't take latin but that feels right mm-hmm. is that greek logos i don't know whatever but we read very different stuff which is of why I like you, because I feel like you introduced me to a lot of new things. Like, I remember when we were at that, we were, like, hanging out at your house the other day with uh, Fatima, and you were like, "Now nah, we Bronte girls. Like, we, <laughs> <laughs> we like to read like Bronte. Um, and you went on a really interesting experiment with Toni Morrison. Yeah. Can you tell the audience about that and, and what that was like? Because I think that's so cool.
2: I am the type of person that likes to fixate on things. Um... I love reading and I went through a really long phase of similar to how I did with music where I was like, I need to know all the new releases and like decide what good music is. And mm-hmm. da, 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 da. I did. I started doing that with books and like my, mm. my like younger teenage years. So like I was reading all like the classics and,
1: mm. and stuff like
2: that. And, yeah. da, 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 da. and then I realized that to a certain extent, like, yes, in terms of, like, the human condition, there is a lot that I could relate to within this. But then, like, when we get away from that and I'm reading more, like, modern literature, mm-hmm. meaning, like, you know, like, Toni Morrison isn't super, super modern, but, like, you know. Um, yeah. Contemporary. Contemporary. Yeah. Like, l- like, literature, it's the like race and class and things start, like, mattering more. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as of lately, I've only been reading stuff that was by, like, black authors and yeah. like unless it's like for example like i'm reading like a really great book about like yoga right now obviously uh-huh. the person is indian like you yeah. know like, I, like, yeah. I like books by people who are the proprietors of yeah the true content. to it true uh, to it yeah not yeah. new to it true to it um but yeah so i was like obviously like you know on my I need to. I, I'd spend all this time like getting myself up on like the quote unquote classics. I was like, I need to get myself up on the black classics, mm. like black American yeah. classics, and um, yeah. So Tony was was the one that I started with. I read her whole discography. There's no there's no word for that in terms of
0: oh yes there is yes there is the uh, backlist.
2: Backlist thank you so much for that because cuz <laughs> i cuz i've been saying so, i've been trying to get ritography to be like to be like a thing but ritography
0: wow. that's the lingo god. Yeah. <laughs> that one's better.
2: Yeah, but backlist. I didn't. Yeah, I did a lot of Google searches and couldn't find that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like their back their backlist. I'm I'm reading this author's backlist. Me it's and all Nick the are books. the smartest
2: people in the world, guys. I just want the elitist them. anthropology. <laughs> we're putting y'all on. Um, but yeah, no. So I did that and it was great. Um, read all of her fiction and and nonfiction works. My favorites, mm-hmm. personal favorites, were Tar Baby, mm. Sula, and Song of Solomon.
1: Mm, why?
2: um Song of Solace. Song of Solomon was like a early 20s fo- black man like odysseus type mm. type of story Okay amazing amazing
1: mm-hmm.
2: Spoiler alert the book came out very long time ago so i don't feel bad he dies mm. in the end which is different than like the typical odysseus story but which is yeah. indicative of like the context that it was mm. like taken in. in like Yeah very beautiful Sula for the girls' girls. It's a girls' book. It's, like, mm. she's such an unlikable, like, female protagonist. She's the prota- she's protagonist and the antagonist. I see. I see. <laughs> I see. She's a sick and twisted individual, mm-hmm. and and she deserves respect, just like <laughs> <for> any <laughs> other person. Okay. I feel like it's, like, she's very, and the book goes from... It talks about Sula and like her best, her like best female friend, and sort of like how their friendship evolves over like basically their entire lifetimes, like from when mm-hmm. they were kids until they're like old widows and stuff, you know? Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, and it's like, uh, the, the best friend is, uh, as she should, like the woman, like as she should be, quote mm-hmm. unquote. And then Sula is like the, the, uh, the, the contrarian. And like, I, 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 I uh, relate to her more and more as I age. Yeah, and get this stuff into my. Auntie. I I
0: wanted to ask, like, you know, after after doing that, I've I've been with this podcast very extremely 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 reticent to dive into sex sex and gender politics in like that tm way mm-hmm. that podcasters be doing.
2: Yeah, no, because yeah, but no, I
0: want to ask you after doing that again part of part of the reason like in the in the podcast universe part of the reason why that type of uh discourse is so wretched is because it's like people that are just like they there's is, there is no research study critical thinking involved like it's just vibes yeah okay all right i i do love the working man's discourse but this is elitist anthropology so after reading the entire backlist of Toni Morrison, how did it influence, or, or what ideas, or maybe things that it made you notice about the sort of gender relations situation
2: of today? Gender relations. Mm. That misogyny absolutely predates racism. Mm. Yeah. And um, did
0: you feel conflicted on that before? or Was it not even something that you had considered?
2: Um, I, y- yeah. Like, I feel like it was just like me clinging to, like, you know, like back in Africa before colonization, we was, we was I. <laughs> we were, they would have just let us rock. We would have been I. But yeah. um, <laughs> no, they, like, no. one of the, like, one of the, the some cosmology, and I want to say like a Do- the Dogen cosmology of, like, mm-hmm. um, it, it's basically like the the universe rapes the earth and then that's what brings life like I so see. it's like and that shit dropped way pre-colonialism <laughs> yeah so yeah we can't blame them for that one but mm-hmm. um but yeah so that 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 is something that was really uh interesting to me like personally like mm-hmm. to, to take in because it's like i've always been. I have, I have a great relationship with my father and like being, and he's a black man and like my mom's white. So it's like, I've always taken this role where I'm like very protective of black men, like Mm. almost to the point of being a little pick me about it. And like, um... You know, like, that sort of, like, grounded me in that, like, uh, <laughs> 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 like, like, uh, and like Even, like, I'm reading, I'm doing bell hooks now, going yeah. through her whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that is, is also, like, like, like reinstating, mm. like, that, like, you know, like, from the, the book that I'm reading right now is from margin to center, is that, like, uh, you know, we have to engage with the people that are on the margins and bring them into the center, and that is always going to be black women, and then, like, now as we... Move into like more modern society, like Black queer women, Black trans mm-hmm. women, and bu- 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 like th- they, like genuinely like those need to be the kind of people that we, yeah. are, we center and we listen to because everybody shits on them. Like I really mm-hmm. like I really felt like yeah. I'm n- not to say that like misogyny didn't exist in the Black community, but maybe just like the bubble that I grew up in like mm-hmm. only being surrounded by like Black men that really can take like like take care of the women around them and yeah and and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that was like the the, the rude awakening for mm. me there in terms of gender reading Toni Morrison. That like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, no, like as much as the black nuclear family unit. See, 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 <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's it's it can be
1: toxic. It can be toxic.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's something that I've always like I've always thought about. I, I um to, I think that people. I well, you know, I think a lot of things are scammer coded cash up is scammer coded
1: mm-hmm.
0: i recently decided that any type of person who publicly invokes like the black nuclear family scammer coded yeah it's and the reason i always thought it was scammer coded is because like so i was i was born into the ideal black nuclear family my parents were married they're both like black african-american um they, like, they owned their home. They are both highly educated. They had two older children. Like, we lived in a nice big house.
2: See, see, see. And you turned out, I...
0: But then my dad died. <laughs> <laughs> my dad... My no, dad. not
1: funny. <laughs> no, it's, not,
0: it's not funny. My dad died when I was um, six, six or seven. And so... Even though, like from a uh, from maybe like an anthropological or statistical point of view, you would say all the factors maybe all the factors were there, you know, born in born in wedlock, born into a certain class status, born into a, a double parent home, but like because I was so young, I really true life had the experience of having a. a single mother i gotta make it and like the 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 context where you know maybe diff were so much different than people imagine when they think about like a black family with a single mother and a father not Mm -hmm. in the home because like my mom was highly educated she had like a corporate job and you know all that stuff we all went to university and, and things like that but it just never was clicking together for me when i was like you know what is the big, what is the big deal? What is the big problem? And, you um,
2: know, not to eat your brothers up or anything, but they got mm-hmm. more time with, like, the, the real nuclear family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were kind of,
1: like, the, the <laughs> poppinist. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the
0: but, pop- like, you know, I thought like, you know, I feel like I'm, you know... Uh, nobody is truly chill and normal It's an aspirational state of being similar To like you know nirvana or total freedom you, you, you might never get there though you might experience it In waves but I'm definitely on the Spectrum leaning towards chill and normal I feel regular I feel well adjusted But everywhere you turn people are like Kind of like trying to convince you That the problems In families The problems in relationships Are and especially in the Black community are like uh, not just um correlated but co- totally causal yeah um by the absence of adult male presence in um in 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 the family unit and in, in the marriage and the relationship even if it's like a single woman the absence of an adult man in her life is a problem if it's a child the absence of an adult male in his life is an issue and it's not just a issue it's the issue yeah
2: yeah, that gets me back into like my my pick me vibe where it's like it's not their fault, it's the system <laughs> that makes daddy run away and get locked up and da the uh-huh. the But like yeah, no, it is it is a very interesting um way w- like it's like a intra like systems, like the way that they play mm. on each other. Like it's not just one system, it's like multiple that sort of mm-hmm. like reinforce each other in, in, in this in this cyclical way that it's sick. Lickle, sick, that lickle. <laughs> real, real, real. Really, very really sick.
0: Um, what are some of your other favorite favorite authors or, or favorite books?
2: Um, uh, Chimamanda, the author mm. of Americana. Her, every single thing that that lady touches, mm-hmm. iconic, F- womanist, feminist literature, and just like she's, I I really like writers who make very interesting characters mm. like they don't even need to be like morally like they could be totally morally corrupt and like yeah if just like i i very much so enjoy just like as a hobby in general like figuring people out like how did you how did you how did you get here like how did you end up this way mm-hmm. and um it's nice to see like in, in fiction specifically like the mm. the the sort of how someone else is creating that, mm. like, you know, like creating that like mythos and like how it, it, it parallels to life and how it like is sometimes more idyllic than like what can be done in, yeah. in, in reality. And then I also read a lot of like uh, nonfiction books like self-helpy but without being self-helpy. Um, you know, just like, uh, a plug for anyone who's listening that's interested, that's, that's black and interested in like spirituality. Like a lot of the stuff to connect with like, you know, like those spiritual systems, there's Mm -hmm. no like how to book on how to do hoodoo. You got to read Toni Morrison and Zora Neale Hurston. And when they're talking about how they was mixing the roots and herbs and that, 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 those are the recipes. Those are the, so like Mm -hmm. I did, I, so when I do like the nonfiction, like self-help, it's more like the yoga book that I'm reading. It's Mm -hmm. like, just like, um exploring like like histories and of of things and how they came about
0: i love that i actually i got a book and once i finish it i'll read it to you i just ordered it it was um this woman did a phd on the black history of miami Hmm. and i have long part of the reason why their eyes were watching god is one of my favorite books is because i really feel like you know, now, today, Florida, specifically as a state, is very, like, white-coded, it's very Republican-coded, it's, like, Mm -hmm. racist, like, it's it's kind of, I mean, not for nothing, it kind of knocked, there was a time, like, in the mid-2010s when, like, Texas was, like, the bad, bad, bad place, but Florida kind of put us on the ropes, and they kind of took over as, like, the number one, like, you know, American hellscape, you know, for lack of better words, but I, I think that sort of social... Um, or our cultural domination of Florida from that perspective, that type of politician, that type of person that gets to be identified with Florida is really taking away from the fact that Florida is in the South. Yeah. There is an incredibly high black population in Florida and there's a lot of black history in Florida that so is much. also super mixed in with Caribbean history. And I think when we talk about the and diaspora, the yeah. exactly, when we talk about the, when we talk about the African diaspora, people think of that as, you know, obviously, first generation or second generation, whatever Africans um, that have moved out to anywhere in the world, Africans that are born in Africa, black people in South America, Caribbean, da, 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 da. and like, I think that term is almost too broad, because there's such a cultural and historical disconnect mm-hmm. between um, people who were you know, trafficked in transatlantic slavery and their descendants versus people who are in the last 60 years leaving Africa for whatever reason. But there's so much deeper of a correlation in the transatlantic diaspora, South America, the Caribbean... In the United States, and part of the reason why we don't feel that, or or we don't really live that out, is because Florida is the connector between the Caribbean and South America and the United States. And, and it's Florida like a big has been like
2: blocker right now. To-
0: exactly, like totally That's glazed crazy. over, totally written over, and like even you think like even like when you think of an immigrant in Florida, you think of a Cuban and not a Haitian not a mm-hmm. um any uh, not a, uh, not a bayesian you know what i'm saying yeah um and I, I i i think that's such a shame
2: yeah yeah no that's that's so real because like that connection at least in terms of like you know from the scope that i've 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 done like culturally is like mm-hmm. from the the spiritual aspect which being which being black in general most of our our culture comes from like yeah ours our spirituality like even like going back to like you know like in africa like pre-colonialism it was like there was no secularism it was just a part of everything that we did it was mm-hmm. like playing music making food da, 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 da. all of that is like a connected and like spiritual experience
1: and yeah
2: da, 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 da. and like that the reason that you feel that disconnect from like you know like second generation african immigrants like coming over here versus like that transatlantic sort of diaspora is mm-hmm. because we took those same principles mm-hmm. brought them with us to this new landscape adjusted it based on like the herbs yeah. and but then also added this strong like liberatory and like fighter spirit to it because mm-hmm. to sort of deal with like the subjugations that like we were going under so that's like the connection between like haiti and like you know like yeah. black people in dr and like that and like literally mm-hmm. like florida water like is a spiritual
1: cleanser <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. like
2: you know so that makes mm-hmm. that makes real sense i'm gonna have to do some digging yeah i'm
0: gonna give you i'm gonna i'll I'll give you that book after i finish reading it but i i really felt that especially when i started to travel in south america more and i was like i feel so i feel so like at home Mm -hmm. here like and 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 it's still it's not to say that like those places are without their you know yeah yeah without you know every we still live in a society but it's like i felt such a deep connection with like the black people in Colombia, with the Mm -hmm. black people in brazil like it just felt like I, I think that when people talk about that diasporic feeling, I understood what they meant there, whereas I never had, even though in the United States, like I've always been surrounded by uh, uh, black Americans, obviously, but then like yeah. other members of the diaspora, whether it's like East Africans, West Africans, et cetera. I never felt that like h- homogeneity. Yeah. But in the transatlantic world, I definitely felt it.
2: So I felt when I went to Jamaica a little bit different, but just like mm-hmm. being around like black people. In, like that context like yeah just could, like only like it was insane yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: <clears throat> i did not expect us to go down the race pipeline together really yeah
0: i knew that's why i didn't e- <laughs> that's why like uh so I, I sent Raylan the questions before and it's like actually like a pretty light list as compared to the other interviews that i've like written out and like bulleted so well because i was like i know we're just gonna
2: Vibe. We're
0: just gonna flow. We're just gonna. Uh, flow. One uh,
2: one more thing before we move back, but like the the context that I come from from discussing race relations has a lot to do mm-hmm. with my upbringing. Obviously, you know, being a, mm-hmm. a African as they as they say. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. If you want to mm-hmm. understand my my cultural makeup, take The Sopranos, Jersey Shore, mm-hmm. and then The Boondocks.
1: And <laughs> yep, that's me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right on.
2: <laughs>
1: yep, that's
0: me. That is right on. That is right on. So you have been sitting and present in every recording session of Elitist Anthropology. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I just want to talk a little retrospectively as we get to the end of the, of the season. First, I want to say thank you. It's a big deal. It's a, it's, it's a big deal when people show up for you. And it's even bigger when people show up multiple times over and over, you know, they, I love people that show up to work, you know, put the, you know, put the work in, show up and and clock in. So thank you so much. It's really been amazing. What did you think when I was like describing the show to you, what I, what I wanted to do? Um, how does that compare to what you've experienced?
2: Um, I think we did, we did exactly what what we set out to do i remember when we first started talking about it nick described the podcast to me we were trying to figure out like what a good what a good name would be Mm -hmm. and like really made the name yeah yeah and um he was like he was like i just wanted to be like really anthropological and like Mm -hmm. you know like talk to the people that are in sort of like our new like milieu like Mm -hmm. young professionals and stuff and Mm -hmm. just see like in different segments and like see like like pull out the things that have been like that you know Are important and like nuanced, and like each of these people. And I feel like, you know, and and then I was like, oh, so just call it elitist anthropology because that's what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Half as a joke, but then we were like, no, (laughs) that marketing degree is working. A little bit. Yeah. um, But yeah. So. Yeah, no, I think definitely, like, watching that happen, the best way to sort of see that in in real time, if, we, mm-hmm. if you want to, like, go back and listen to all the episodes once again after hearing me say this. But yes. um, w- depending on the guest, you can kind of get some insight into, like, what matters to them or where they're even, like, a little bit elitist or a little bit, like, mm-hmm. you know, and. What the questions that they decide to delve into for longer, and what mm. directions and tangents those take, and then the ones that sort of just get like passed by. Like my favorite one that you ask, that you've asked everyone is like, "How did you get here today?" Mm-hmm. And like the variety of answers, and like also like depending on like where we're at,
1: and mm, like yeah.
2: the, versus like L.A. versus New York, because obviously like more people are going to be driving in L.A. and blah blah blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah blah blah, versus like driving while we're in New York means something totally different
1: than, than yeah in LA. yeah like.
2: So, yeah, that's that was really interesting and almost like it, it feels it's super subjective what we're doing, but it feels mm. almost objective because mm. of how subjective it is. You yeah, know, like, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to explain that further, so I hope someone gets it. But I, f-
0: I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I think definitely like this, that what I was what I wanted to do was do a type of do a type of anthropology on the people that I'm really interested in and I'm not, I'm not formally, like I said, I study business, uh, sustainability management, so I'm not formally trained in anthropology, but I've always been really fascinated in it because I think it relates it not always in its history has it been practiced this way, but I think as a social science, what it really is is like it's like empathy, like it's like yeah. really trying to understand not just like an objective understanding of like what you're doing, like okay, you go to the you go to the watering hole, but a, a trying to get a deeper understanding of like. What drives you to the watering hole? Is it because you're thirsty? Is it because you need to clean? Is it because you have this device or that device? How do you gather that? How do you get here? How did you gather that water? Did you use a bucket? Did you use a cup? But then also trying to get to that deeper understanding of like, what does that, like you use the cup and then what does that say about you? And what does that say about the times in which we live? But also like reverse engineering that to say like the times in which we live how do they start to define who does what? And like, right. even like in the in the episode with uh, with Jiho, it was like, you know, we talked about like people are still going through our program that we went to, but the vibe is changing from people that were like so heavy set on I'm gonna do banking, we're all gonna do banking, we're all gonna work in banking, we're all even if we do consulting, we're all gonna be big four. To like by the time we graduated neither of us were on like neither of us were on that we were like you know maybe we could consulting would be cool or you know but in like you even waited like you waited for a year and a half and to like get the right thing it's like our vibe has changed so we could say like maybe we're the force that's shifting the culture but also too it's like if you look at the the economy right now right it's like you know, why would you pursue a job you don't want when you could be fired tomorrow? You'll get an email from Elon Musk telling you join or die.
2: Right? Why would I tough it out in banking for two years when the air quality might just might exactly not exa- be there? Exa- like, <laughs> no, I'm gonna live, laugh, love, and try to open a dispensary now. Exactly, <laughs> like, like, Come on now.
0: Exactly, and like that that shift. I feel like for for even though we've it, the the ages have gotten a, a, a little bit. Old, older, like I think the oldest guest we had was like um, maybe like right at 30 or a little bit over 30 trying to understand this younger group of people that is gen z and like the sort of lower end of millennials like we get such a bad rap in mm-hmm. the press and in the media oh we're lazy oh we don't want to work oh we can't read oh we're ipad babies like you yeah. know all this all this stuff you know but it's and like
2: people can't read one
0: thing about me and nick oh well we know that people can't read that one maybe but that's not uh, that's not us that's <laughs> that's the that's a systematic problem that's george w bush lying saying he wasn't gonna leave nobody behind meanwhile, he wanted to leave everybody behind, didn't right. want nobody to come. <laughs> but, um but like you know, we get such a we get such a bad rap because the parts of our life that are public and happening on social media are very, of course, superficial because I think too, and I, I, I see this especially amongst our peers. We grew up in a time when everybody said, Don't don't put your life on the internet, don't put your name on the internet, don't put your face on the internet. Slowly that culture changed in the the mid 2010s where it was like, put your life on it, put, put everything, put your name, put your photo, put your family, go on Facebook and say who you're dating and you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But now it's sort of turning around again where it's like, people are still putting their lives on the internet, but they're putting like an extremely, not just not the cliche. Yeah. Like, and not even just the, the uh, cliche of like, they only want to put their best foot forward. It's not even the best foot. They want to put a very specific foot Mm -hmm. forward and so you really don't understand anything about them um, to one way or another. Like, right now, like, even me, like, I'm on a huge film kick on my mm-hmm. Instagram of, like, only posting film photos. And so it's, like, you think, like, oh, this is guys, like, to-. you might look at him and be like, this guy's totally. He's into photography. He's in photography and he's totally analog. Meanwhile like
1: you work in tech consulting i <laughs> work in tech consulting
0: i'm the number one product manager of my elliptical machine like i'm like i'm obsessed and i i, I feel that i wanted this uh podcast to be like a conduit to like unearth unearth that get on un, get under that and at the generational level
2: mm-hmm. and like and, and i feel like looking at different types of people is the only way to get at that yeah uh, objectively because like even with like the example you gave with social media i know people because of like you know they're like industry niggas or whatever that like they mm-hmm. their instagram is their resume it's their linkedin like yeah. you know like uh-huh. whereas me i'm like don't look at that i need to put it on <laughs> private while i'm <laughs> recruiting like, yeah. like, kill, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's that's like a really big thing and like i my my text and ideas class mm-hmm. right in college it was like the whatever like literature class we had to take was called objectivity and we basically explored mm. sort of like Is is this uh, from Plato to like you know like Mm -hmm. a a documentary like like a documentary is is it is it it called documentary a documentary if it's written in a book
0: if it's written it's like a philosophy or just like a nonfiction
2: yeah okay so but like yeah but like a written record yeah written record like sort of 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 stuff and like from that was made in like twenty ten like objectivity sort of changes with the times so Mm. therefore there. Is no true objectivity because I see. we are a product of the times in, yeah, in, in, yeah, yeah. in which we live, you and can't then like even me looking at it now, mm-hmm. something that was done ten years ago, it's not. It's going through like if if, if I would want it to write like you know a documentary or whatever the word is about you right now, mm-hmm. and then someone in ten years read it like read it, it's never going to be objective because it's going through the lens of you being observed by me, and then how I observe you, mm-hmm. and then they ha- how they observe how i'm writing because mm-hmm. like words tend to mean different things as like you go through as time, time goes on yes like, yeah so it's like yeah there is no true objectivity but like uh i feel like this will be an interesting thing to yeah. to look back on but we try anyways I'm we gonna still pitch, i'm gonna find my my professor that for the objectivity class and uh-huh. pitch this podcast to them as oh a, as yeah, a, as a homework assignment. Oh, yes. <laughs> as
0: yes, yes, we got to get in the academic space. I feel I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not in academia. I'm not into academic spaces, but I do love to kind of approach approach life that way. Some, some, some genuine trying to get some some understanding. I don't know. Um, but unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time. Say too. So I have to ask you the final question, Raylan. Where do you want to be in five years?
2: I actually have a really funny response to this. Mm -hmm. One night, I'm I'm a heavy journaler. I journal every day for at least five minutes. Okay. Um, Or try to, you know, we we are human. Um, Yeah. But uh, I... uh, one night i did a journal enter- entry it was a particularly like emotional night this was right before i got my job it was almost it was a full moon it was almost manifesting really mm. and then i got the urge to like i finally got the password for my old tumblr so i was able to go back in and see all the poems I love
1: Tumblr. see
2: all the poems that i wrote yeah. and then like i was like i'm gonna write a poem and just about like, but I'm going to do it like as my manifestation, mm-hmm.
1: like, you know, like, yeah, in, instead yeah.
2: so I started writing it and it was just like, I think like the first stanza was like, was like finding a job, you know, like growing my business, um, falling in love with myself, like, mm-hmm. and then it was like variations of like those phrases and it was five stanzas. Mm-hmm. And then the last one that it was, it was, um, it was n- n- my only job is is love
1: mm. my
2: only job is love and then I titled after I finished it I titled it my five year plan oh wow yeah
0: that's beautiful <laughs> that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah, man. Then I guess we can just call it a show there. Yeah. <laughs> that was really wonderful. Thank you so, so much, Raylan, for, for you, this Nick. episode and all the ones before. Thank you to all the listeners. If, if you've listened to every episode, please um, leave a comment. Let me know what you think or, or go on Instagram. My Instagram is at nicholas one and, and talk to me. I'd love to talk back. Uh, thanks so much to Ashley for engineering this session. This is a great episode, a, a great time, and we'll see you next time when i leave anthropology. Catch you on the flip,
2: guys. Bye.